Chapter Sixteen of Marie Antoinette and the Downfall of Royalty. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Reading done by Jules Harlock of Mississauga, Ontario, Canada. Marie Antoinette and the Downfall of Royalty by Imbert de Saint Amand, translated by Elizabeth G. Martin, Chapter Sixteen, A Three Days' Ministry. Dumouriez had taken the portfolio of war. He kept it three days only. But during those three days, what activity! What excitement! More than fifteen hundred signatures affixed. Instructions sent to all the generals a most tumultuous session of the national assembly a last effort to induce louis the sixteenth to make further concessions a resignation which was to be the signal for catastrophes how the scenes of the drama multiply how the denouement is accelerated the session at which dumouriez was to appear for the first time as minister of war could not fail to be singular it took place june thirteenth seventeen ninety two and from ten o'clock in the morning all the galleries had been crowded the jacobins had filled them with their satellites the girondins had prepared a dramatic surprise the three ex-ministers were to be brought into the chamber under pretext of explaining the causes of their dismissal it was agreed that they should be received as victims of the aristocracy and martyrs of the revolution roland's letter say rather his wife's letter to louis the sixteenth was read to the assembly and frequently interrupted by loud bursts of applause just as it was finished and someone was demanding that it should be sent to all eighty-three departments dumouriez entered the hall murmurs and hisses arose on all sides the assembly voted the dispatch of the letter to the departments a deputy exclaimed it will be a famous document in the history of the revolution and of the ministers the assembly went on to declare that roland was followed by the regrets of the nation then dumouriez ascended the tribune and read a message in which monsieur lafayette announced the death of monsieur de gouvion he had been major-general of the national guard and having quitted the assembly rather than be present at the triumph of the swiss of chateauvieux had met his death bravely in the army of the north a cannon-ball said the message had terminated a virtuous life the assembly was affected and voted complimentary condolences to the father of the heroic officer afterwards dumouriez read his report on military affairs it was a long criticism on the legislators who had ordered a new levy of troops before providing the existing corps with their full complements on the muster masters the standing committees the market contractors who were piling up abuses dumouriez complained of everything he reproached the factions and insisted on the consideration due to ministers godet thundered out do you hear him 
he already thinks himself so sure of power that he takes it on him to give us advice and why not resumed the minister turning towards the side of the mountain this bold response astonished the most furious someone said the document is not signed let him sign it let him sign it dumouriez called for pen and ink signed his memoir and went to lay it on the desk then he slowly crossed the hall and went quietly out the door beneath the mountain with a haughty glance at his adversaries his martial attitude disconcerted them the shouts and hootings ceased and complete silence ensued on leaving the assembly dumouriez was surrounded by a group of persons before the door of the fluence but their faces displayed no sign of anger toward him as soon as he quitted the assembly his enemies no longer intimidated by his presence redoubled their attacks three or four deputies left the chamber and making their way to him through the crowd said they are raising the devil inside they would like to send you to orleans it was there the duke of brissac was imprisoned and the superior court held its sessions so much the better replied dumouriez i would take the baths drink buttermilk and rest myself this sally amused the crowd and the minister as he entered the tuileries garden said to the deputies who followed him it will be a mistake for my enemies to have my memoirs printed for it will bring all good citizens back to me at present being drunk and crazy you have just extolled roland's infamous perfidy to the skies then he went to the palace louis the sixteenth complimented him on his firmness but absolutely refused to sanction the decree against the priests far from ameliorating the situation continued to grow worse pétion's emissary stirred up the inhabitants of the faubourgs that evening dumouriez sent a letter to the king announcing that a riot was apprehended louis the sixteenth suspected that the minister was lying and wrote to him do not believe monsieur that any one can succeed in frightening me by threats my resolution is taken dumouriez had based his entire scheme on the hypothesis that the decree concerning the priests would be accepted by the king from the moment that louis the sixteenth rejected it dumouriez no longer hoped to remain in the ministry he wrote again imploring the sovereign to give it his sanction and announcing that in case of his refusal the ministers would all feel obliged to retire the next day june fifteenth the king received them in his chamber are you still said he to dumouriez in the same sentiments expressed in your letter last evening yes sire if your majesty will not permit yourself to be moved by our fidelity and attachment very well replied louis the sixteenth with a gloomy air since your decision is made i accept your resignation and will provide for it dumouriez was no longer a minister in his memoirs he describes himself as much affected not on account of quitting a dangerous post 
which simply made his existence disturbed and painful but because he saw all his troubles thrown away and the king handed over to the fury of cruel enemies and the criminal indiscretion of false friends at the bottom dumouriez inspired nobody with confidence he belonged to no party and no one knew his opinions he had leaned on both jacobins and girondins while at the same time he was inspiring certain hopes in the fluence and flattering the king to whom he promised signs and wonders too revolutionary for the conservatives and too conservative for the revolutionists he had tried a seesaw policy which would no longer answer it became indispensable to make a choice it was impossible to please both the jacobins and the court and yet dumouriez was a man of resources and it is much to be regretted on the king's account that no better understanding could be arrived at between them more successfully than any one else dumouriez might have resorted to bold measures and called in at this time the intervention of the army as he did several years later he loved money and rank royalty still excited a great prestige over him and he had used the revolution as a means not as an end could louis the sixteenth have pretended patience for a few days longer perhaps he might have extricated himself from difficulties which though grave were still not insoluble he did not choose his hour for resistance wisely it was either too late or too soon the dismission of dumouriez was a blunder at what moment did louis the sixteenth elect to deprive himself of his minister's aid that very one when attacked by the girondins exasperated by roland's conduct and disgusted with the progress of anarchy the forces of circumstances was about to toss dumouriez back to the side of the reactionists the camp of twenty thousand men if confided to safe hands and a secret service money judiciously employed might have become the nucleus of a monarchical resistance lafayette and his partisans were becoming conservative and between him and dumouriez agreement was not impossible louis the sixteenth was in too great a hurry his conscience revolted at an unfortunate moment why if he was bent on this veto so just so honest but so ill-timed had he freely made so many concessions which thus became inexplicable in rejecting the offers of dumouriez the queen possibly deprived herself of her only remaining support he who had saved france in the passes of argonne might had he gained the entire confidence of louis the sixteenth and marie antoinette have saved the king and royalty dumouriez had a final interview with louis the sixteenth june eighteenth the king received him in his chamber he had resumed his kindly air and when the ex-minister had shown him the accounts of the last fortnight he complimented him on their clearness afterwards the following conversation took place then you are going to join luckner's army yes sire i leave this frightful city with delight i have but one regret 
you are in danger here yes that is certain well sire you can no longer fancy that i have any personal interest to consult in talking with you once having left your counsel i shall never again approach you it is through fidelity and the purest attachment that i dare once more entreat you by your love for your country your safety and that of your crown by your august spouse and your interesting children not to persist in the fatal resolution of vetoing the two decrees this persistence will do no good and you will ruin yourself by it don't say any more about it my decision is made ah sire you said the same thing when in this very room and in presence of the queen you gave me your word to sanction them i was wrong and i repent of it sire i shall never see you again pardon my frankness i am fifty-three and i have some experience it was not then that you were wrong but now your conscience is abused concerning this decree against the priests you are being forced into civil war you are helpless and you will be overthrown and history though it may pity you will reproach you with having caused all the misfortunes of france on your account i fear your friends still more than your enemies god is my witness that i wish for nothing but the welfare of france i do not doubt it sire but you will have to account to god not solely for the purity but also for the enlightened execution of your intentions you expect to save religion and you destroy it the priests will be massacred and your crown torn from you perhaps even your wife your children emotion prevented dumouriez from going on tears stood in his eyes he kissed the hand of louis the sixteenth respectfully the king wept also and for a moment both were silent sire resumed dumouriez if all frenchmen knew you as well as i do our woes would soon be ended do you desire the welfare of france very well that demands the sacrifice of your scruples you are still master of your fate your soul is guiltless believe a man exempt from passion and prejudice and who has always told you the truth i expect my death replied louis the sixteenth sadly and i forgive them for it in advance i thank you for your sensibility you have served me well i esteem you and if a happier time shall ever come i will prove it to you with these words the king rose sadly and went to the window at the end of the apartment dumouriez gathered up his papers slowly in order to gain time to compose his features he was unwilling to let his emotions become evident to the persons at the door as he went out adieu said the king kindly and be happy as he was leaving he met his friend laporte intendant of the civil list the two who were meeting for the last time went into another room and closed the door you advised me to resign said laporte and i meant to do so but i have changed my mind my master is in danger and i will share his fate if i were in the personal service of the king as you are replied dumouriez i would think and act the same i esteem your devotion and love you the more for it 
each of us is faithful in his own way you to louis i to the king of the french may both of us facilitate him some day on his happiness then the two friends separated after embracing each other with tears the sole thought of dumouraine now was to escape from the city where he had witnessed so many intrigues and been so often deceived he was very sorrowful at heart ordinarily so gay so brilliant so full of gallic and rebellion wit power had made him melancholy his ministerial life left on him an abiding impression of bitterness and repugnance one needs he has said either a patriotism equal to any test or else an insatiable ambition to inspire in any way whatever after those difficult positions where one is surrounded with snares and calumnies one learns only too soon that men are not worth the trouble one takes to govern them june nineteenth he wrote to the assembly asking an authorization to repair to the army of the north i have spent thirty-six years in military and diplomatic service and have twenty-two wounds said he in this letter i envy the fate of the virtuous gouvion and should esteem myself happy if a cannon-ball could put an end to all differences concerning me he never again returned either to the palace the assembly or any other place where he might encounter either ministers deputies or persons belonging to the court he started for the army june twenty sixth regarding it as the only asylum where an honest man might still be safe at least death presents itself there under the attractive aspect of glory he left in the capital consternation suspicion hatred which pierced through the frivolity of the wretched parisians with an intuition worthy of a man of genius he foresaw the vicious circle about to be described by the french history and divined that by plunging into license men return inevitably to servitude because it is impossible to sustain liberty with an absurd government founded on barbarity terror and the subversion of every principle necessary to the maintenance of human society two years later in seventeen ninety four he wrote in his memoirs the serpent will recoil upon itself his tail which is anarchy will re-enter his throat which is despotism End of chapter sixteen